this morning with the help of the late Dr. Warren Wearsby and uh, a book of his on Satan, I would like to look with you at a method of Satan to get believers to fall in their walks with the Lord Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, we find the words, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Satan does want to outwit us. The devil has schemes to spiritually defeat us. Once more, today, I want us to look at a scheme, uh, a method of Satan. And the scheme I want us to cover is the one found in our scripture reading of the morning. It would be good for me to point out that uh, the message today will not go into the primary understanding of the scripture reading, but it will be a secondary truth that we can take from that scripture reading. And the, the story to remind you that we will look at today for this method of Satan is the story of Satan accusing the high priest Joshua before the Lord God. Uh, this morning, we will learn of Satan's scheme in this way. We will consider a target Satan aims at in our lives, a weapon Satan uses to attack this target, the purpose Satan wants to achieve, and then we will bring our message to a close with the defense God gives believers to defeat the devil here. Uh, target, weapon, purpose, defense. Before we go through these four points, let me more fully tell the story of Satan accusing the high priest Joshua. The story is a vision that the prophet Zechariah had. The location of the story is heaven, and the setting of the story is, I think we can say, that of a courtroom. In the courtroom, uh, the Lord is the judge. Joshua, the high priest, is the defendant or the accused, and Satan is the prosecutor. Satan, on this occasion, appears to have a case 
because Joshua is wearing filthy garments. And the high priest was always to wear clean garments. The prophet Zechariah had this vision at a time when the nation of Israel was guilty of sin against the Lord. The Israelites had returned to Palestine after a Babylonian captivity, and there was hope that the people would now obey and serve the Lord. But, sad to say, they had not really learned their lesson. When you read the Old Testament about this particular time, you discover things like the Jewish men divorcing their wives and marrying heathen women, Jewish merchants charging their brothers exorbitant interest rates, and even the priests robbing God and keeping the best of the sacrifices for themselves. This explains why Joshua's priestly garments were dirty in Zechariah's vision. He represented the people before God. And the people were sinful. And Satan knew they were sinful. And he protested to God that Israel, that Joshua, should be judged. You perhaps can imagine Satan's words to God in this vision. Have you considered your servants in Israel? They are a rebellious and disobedient people. You chastened them in Babylon, hoping to teach them obedience, but they have returned to their land and they are disobeying you again. Israel is guilty. You must judge Israel. Well, there is the story of Satan accusing the high priest Joshua. And to get underway now with uh, another method of Satan to get believers to fall, to get us to fall, we first of all point out that a method which Satan aims at in our lives is our consciences the target of our consciences. Here's our thinking for this. As Satan stood accusing Joshua of disobedience, of sin against God, what do you imagine Joshua experienced during this time? What do you imagine when on inside of Joshua. Satan, in his accusations, was right. Israel was disobedient. Joshua did have on filthy garments. How do you think Joshua felt as Satan pleaded his case 
against him? Answer? Assuredly, his heart must have been smitten. Certainly, Joshua was feeling the effects of Satan's words in his conscience. Another target of Satan in our lives is our hearts. Dr. Wearsby tells the story of a phone conversation he had with a Christian lady who had lived for several years under the indictment of guilt. She had heard him uh, over the radio and, and phoned him for help. He does not know her name, but he says he does know that her case is typical of many Christians. The lady told him, when I was a teenager, I got into some pretty terrible sin. A few years later, I was saved. Now I'm married and have a family. The other day, the pastor asked me to teach a Sunday school class, and I'd really like to, but my past keeps bothering me. I've been asked to teach before, and I've always made some kind of excuse. Do I have to keep doing this for the rest of my life? The conscience. Attack the conscience. That's what Satan did with Joshua. That's what Satan did with that lady. And that is what Satan will aim at in our lives to play havoc with our Christian walks. Listen to this quote of Dr. Wearsby that I have uh, taken and added some words to. See how merciless Satan really is. Before we sin, while he is tempting us, he whispers, go ahead, do it. You can get away with this. Then, after we sin, he shouts at us, you sinner, look at what you have done. You will never get away with this. Don't you agree that this is another scheme of Satan? Don't you agree with Dr. Wearsby that this scheme has been used on many Christians through the years? Let me get personal. Have you ever experienced the devil's attack on your past? Look at what you have done, you sinner. I'm sure you have. Satan is out to cripple us, even make us give up in our lives for the Lord Jesus. Second of all, this morning, we want to point out the weapon 
Satan uses to attack our consciences, a weapon. And that weapon is accusations. When Satan goes after our consciences, he does so with charges of disobedience. Look with me at verse 1 of Zechariah 3. Next to the last uh, Old Testament book, uh, Zechariah, Zechariah 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The setting again is that of a courtroom. The Lord God is the judge, Joshua is the defendant, and Satan is the prosecutor. In the courtroom, Satan is saying, God, Joshua is guilty of sin. Joshua has gone against you. Joshua has done wrong. He has on filthy clothes. An accusation is faulting someone with guilt. It is charging someone with wrongdoing. God, Joshua, has done wrong. When I was in high school, another student and I did something that was wrong that day. And we were caught. And the one who caught us took us to the principal's office. And as we stood there, he told the principal of our wrongdoing. That is what Satan is doing in Zechariah 3. Only Satan is enjoying telling God of Joshua's sins. And once again, from that, we see that Satan will try to smite our hearts with accusations of wrongdoing. I wonder if I could say this. When Satan talks to you about God, he lies. He does not tell the truth. But when he talks to you about yourself, he sometimes tells the truth. He brings up real past sins, real past disobedience to try to smite your conscience. Uh, turn with me, please, to the New Testament book of Revelation. Uh, New Testament book of Revelation, last, uh, last book of the New Testament, last book of the Bible. I want to show you a, a cross-reference to Zechariah 3 and the idea of Satan attacking us with accusations. Uh, Revelation, and it will be chapter 12, verse 10. Cross-reference. 
Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. About Satan now. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. How is Satan referred to here? What does he do? Satan is referred to as the accuser of believers. And we read that the devil levels charges of sin untiringly. Do you know what the name Satan means? There are different names for God in the Bible, and each one teaches us something about the Lord God. Satan has a few different names in the Bible, and his name Satan means the accuser. The accuser. He does it so often. It is one of his major schemes that he has the name Satan, a weapon that Satan uses to attack us is the weapon of accusation. When I was a youngster growing up, I think I'm correct in saying I loved to tell on my brother. I loved to bring up his wrongs to my parents. I probably even looked for wrongs to bring up. Satan loves to bring up our sins to God and to us. Before we leave our second point, I think it would be good if I said a word about learning to distinguish between Satan's accusations and the Holy Spirit's conviction. As Christians, we know that there is such a thing as the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What is the difference between the work of the Holy Spirit here and the work of Satan in accusing? The difference is basically this. Both Satan and the Holy Spirit work to show us our disobedience. They both bring up our sins to us. But Satan, if I may put it this way, will take our sins and rub them in our faces. Whereas the Holy Spirit will take our sins Show them to us so we can repent of them and be in fellowship with the Father. Satan will try to get us to despair and be defeated. But the Holy Spirit will work to have us go to Christ for cleansing and renewal. Both will call our sins to our attention, but Satan will do it in order to bury us 
The Holy Spirit will do it in order to raise us to forgiveness and restoration. Here are two questions to ask. When you're wondering if this is Satan working on you because of some sin or is this a a loving work of the Holy Spirit? Do you find yourself feeling that, oh, you've gone too far this time. You've really done it now. Or do you find yourself thinking that the Lord could never forgive you here? He could never accept you. He could never use you because of what you've done. If that is the case, I think you can be pretty sure that Satan is accusing you to crush you. He wants to keep your attention on your sin. Have you focus and focus on your guilt so that he can devour you. Our third point this morning is what is Satan's purpose in attacking our consciences with accusations? What what does he want to achieve? We've been saying it, but we'll make a separate point out of it. Satan's purpose is to get us to be overcome by our sin so we will fall in our Christian lives. Once more, Satan's end is to get us to be weighed down by our wrongdoing so we will be put out of commission in our walks with the Lord. Jerry Bridges has written these words. What is it that sparks the desire in our hearts to lead a godly life? It is the joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven, that no matter how much we've stumbled and fallen, God does not count our sins against us. The joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven. No matter how much we've stumbled, God does not count our sin against us. Satan knows the truth of that. And so he seeks to cover that over. He seeks to eliminate that from our minds and from our hearts. He wants us to wallow in our guilt. He wants to paralyze us with guilt feelings. He wants to get us to keep our eyes, once again, on our sins and on ourselves and not look to Christ so that he can make us defeated Christians. Think back with me to the story I told you earlier about the lady who called Dr. Wearsby. Her words to him were, The other day, the pastor asked me to teach a Sunday school class, and I'd really like to, but my past keeps bothering me. 
I've been asked to teach before, and I've always made some kind of excuse. I remember reading about a young man, uh, a Christian young man who played basketball. And he sought verbally to witness to his fellow players about the Lord Jesus. One day, however, he spiritually fell, publicly spiritually fell, and he permitted his sin to so eat away at his mind that he no longer witnessed to his fellow players. He wants us to feel guilty, to walk around burdened by our wrongdoing. He wants us to live under a cloud of guilt because he knows that will hurt our fellowship with the Lord and it will rob us of enthusiasm and power in serving the Lord. He wants us to feel like failures. Before we take up our last point, let me ask you, right now, are you under a cloud of guilt? Is your conscience being attacked with past sins and you feel like a failure, spiritually speaking? I want you to know that this almost certainly is of Satan. This is one of the methods he uses to get believers to fall. And I also want you to know that this last point of ours is especially important for you. So please listen to it carefully. Point number four is the defense God has given believers to defeat the devil here. Once again, God's defense for believers. God's defense consists of two tremendous truths. A, remember that as believers in Jesus Christ, all of our sins have been forgiven. All of our wrongs have been taken care of in Christ. And therefore, there is no condemnation for us by God. Perhaps we see this truth in Zechariah 3, verses 1, 2, and 4. Zechariah 3, verses 1, 2, and the end of verse 4. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick? Snatched from the fire. The end of verse 4. 
Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. The Christian woman who called Dr. Wearsby on the phone needs to remember first that as a believer, God has forgiven her in Christ. In Jesus Christ, she is clean before the Lord of that sin she committed as a teenager and of all the sins she has ever committed. She therefore should not condemn herself. The Apostle Paul. At one time, the Apostle Paul was a blasphemer of God and a murderer of God's people. How in the world did he go on to fellowship with and serve the Lord Jesus the way he did? He even referred to himself as the chief of sinners. By remembering, when he became a believer, his sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. Except that all of your wrongs have been taken care of in Christ. And then B, perhaps you're thinking, but wait a minute, you know, the sin that's really bugging me right now is a sin that I committed as a Christian. Well, it's still forgiven, but here's B. Remember that repentance of our sins will always restore our fellowship with God. Zechariah 3, verses 6 and 7, the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says, if you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, repentance, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among those standing here. Repentance brings restoration. And so, are you under a cloud of guilt? Is your conscience being attacked and you feel like a miserable failure? Believer, sin should never have the last word in your life. In Christ, all of your sins have been forgiven. You are washed. And repentance of sin always restores fellowship with God. In John 8, we have the story of the woman caught in adultery. A woman was caught in adultery, and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees took her to Jesus. The teachers and the Pharisees made her stand before everyone. And as she did, they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. This woman had relations with a man who is not her husband. Satan will bring up our sins to our minds 
like that to attack our consciences. He wants us to despair and through despair cripple us spiritually. But in Christ, we have been forgiven and through repentance, we are restored to fellowship. Believer, sin should never have the last say in your life. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we have struggled with accusations. We have struggled with past behavior. We, unfortunately, at times have been defeated for a period of time. Please help us, Heavenly Father, to take your answer to this battle that Satan would have against us. Please help us to take your answer and to live to your glory. May we not be devoured in our walks. May we not be defeated in our service. May we, Heavenly Father, go on for you to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.